Good morning. Uh, we're at, we're at time, so let's uh, we got a lot to cover, so we're just gonna go in and pray. The Lord be with you. Uh, let us pray, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much for uh, for this day, for the chance uh, to worship you, for the challenge once again uh, to face the question: Who do we say that you are? And now we, uh, as we turn to this text, this resurrection uh, text, we ask, Lord, that you would um, speak to us again. Uh, as you gave to Peter uh, the answer, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Would you give that to us afresh? Would you help us to see ourselves for who we are and you for who you are? Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, amen. Alright, so, part four of, uh, of four on forty, uh, four independent classes. If this is your first one, uh, then you won't admit, you won't miss anything we have um uh just the reason i'm doing this is i i turned 40 not too long from now and i just wanted to think about uh the significance of the number 40 in, in the bible and said last week that it that we're just busy so if if you know if you have to if you, if you want to think about something in the bible then you have to i got to teach on it because that's that's just it has to work into the routine um so i have uh really enjoyed really enjoyed this actually um so the first week we looked at noah and uh, 40 days and 40 nights, and we saw um, judgment and grace uh, there on the ark. We saw uh, the Lord's uh, deliverance again as we looked at um, Israel wandering uh, in, in the desert and provision there. Last week we looked at uh, Jesus and um, uh, the 40 days of temptation and just the fasting and, and just sort of pondered temptation and really saw that the, the great temptation for Jesus was, was not bread out of stones, but was... Uh, to be to to bypass the Father, and that's what um, that's that's our great temptation too. Whether regardless of what the temptation is, the the ultimate uh, thing behind that is uh, who's in charge. So uh, I really uh, appreciated that. Uh, this week we're gonna um, I, I titled it "Get On Up." Um, it's uh, it's not this, um, uh, but uh, we're we're taking a look at um, at the resurrection uh, of of Jesus. And um, and so and not James Brown, but um, although if James Brown was resurrected, that that'd be something to talk about too. I think so. Um, so we just uh, you know if, um, so we want to just take a look at the the, the period of resurrections, the time between the resurrection and the ascension. Um, so uh, the Book of Acts uh, says that in the fir- uh, this is the very beginning. This is how Luke um, opens his his uh, the Book of Acts in the first book. Uh, o Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up and after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Uh, to them he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now one of the things that we've said in this series is that, um, that the number 40 isn't precise. It just means kind of a long time, whether it's 40 years or 40 days. It's kind of more time than you would uh, expect. Um, three days is, is, is significant as well. Seven days, 12, the number 12, they're all significant. And, and they just uh, each one means a little more than, than the previous one. They didn't have day timers and iCal and all that. So uh, 40 days was a long time, a little over a month. And, um, uh, and so we can think of it like that. So... Um, it might, we, we celebrate uh, the Ascension. Ascension Day is, is always 40 days after Easter. And it should be, but it, it doesn't mean that it was exactly 
uh, 40 days. Um, but it's just how it was, it was more time than, than you might expect. What's interesting, Luke is the one that tells us, he's the only one that mentions this, it was 40 days. But none of the synoptic gospels, and by the synoptic gospels I mean Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So synoptic means one eye. They kind of see things the same way. None of them really tell much of anything after Easter day. I mean, Luke tells us about the road to Emmaus. That was Easter night. Um, but, but none of us really tell us about, even though Luke is the one who tells us 40 days, none of those guys say uh, anything about what happened during this. John is the only one who really gives us, and he only gives us two. Um, it's really interesting. And uh, what you see is here uh, in, in Acts is that um, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs. Uh, many proofs. And, um, and so the Bible tells us that Jesus did lots of things, but the Bible tells us very little about what those things were, um, which, it, which I think is really uh, interesting. So, um, so what we'll do is we'll, uh, we see in John... Uh, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. So John tells us why he wrote the ones that he wrote, the two that he wrote. These are written um, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by by believing you may have life uh, in His name. Um, Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. And this is actually the very end of the book. Uh, There are also many other things that Jesus did and were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Uh, just a really sort of fascinating uh, thing from an eyewitness, uh, the, the Apostle John, uh, the, the beloved disciple, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, uh, as he says. He was there, he saw that Jesus did many things, but he, these two that we'll talk about today are the ones that we really, um, that, that he, he counted on to testify and to witness that Christ, uh, that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, and by believing that we might have life uh, in His name. So we will take a look today about at the stories of uh, Thomas and Peter. Uh, we call them doubting Thomas a little times, um, a little bit. Uh, that, I'm not sure that's exactly fair, uh, but he was at the least he was skeptical. Skeptical Thomas doesn't quite roll off the tongue, you know, uh, as, as like doubting Thomas, but. Uh, and so we'll look at, um, at Thomas, and then we're going to take a look at Peter on the beach. Um, and, and we'll take a look at those stories as well. Um, so in what was really uh, interesting, I mean, Thomas, he revealed himself to Thomas uh, eight days after the resurrection. Uh, so like, uh, you know, Monday week um, after, the, after Easter, eight days after Easter. And then Peter and the six disciples uh, went fishing after this, after, after that. So sometime in... In the next three weeks, we you know we don't not really exactly sure. Um, uh, Peter, P, uh, Jesus reveals himself to them uh, while they were on the boat. That's where he, then after that's where he says, uh, "Peter, do you love me?" We'll talk about that. In both of these stories, and I've never really seen this before because I never really looked at them at the same time together. But in both of these stories, we see uh, restoration. You might really sort of expect that, um, and I've never really considered it, but you might expect it as we look at the account of Jesus after the resurrection and before the ascension, that He has been resurrected to new new life. There's something something about His body. Like we, we, I mean, He shows up behind the locked door. Like, how did He do that? Yet He can eat and He's, I mean, poke your hands in the the wounds. I mean, that's, 
I mean, he's a person, and yet there's something different. You know, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him, and yet it's almost like it, it what, they didn't recognize him because uh, he didn't look the same. It's because he didn't let them. Like he had some sort of spiritual um, governance over what they were able to recognize and to know uh, about him. It, um, uh, and yet, what Jesus' restor- uh, resurrection does is it, it promises us uh, restoration. Uh, in this life uh, and the next. Um, so that believing you might have, not hope for one day to have, but might have now uh, life uh, in Him. And so we see uh, restoration both in Thomas and in, P- in Peter. In Thomas, um, it, it strikes me this is more a restoration of his mind, or, or at least um, of the thoughts in his mind. It's not, he wasn't crazy, but he was, uh, it was, it was uh, a restoration of his sort of analytical uh, doubts his his skepticism, whereas Peter is a restoration of his heart, because uh, he was in crisis, uh, he was he was in despair. Okay, so we're going to take a look uh, at this. Uh, a little bit of art uh, um, thrown in there. Uh, Car- Caravaggio on Thomas is is amazing. Did I just no good? Okay. So on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, uh, this is so this is. Um, uh, this is Easter night. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Fast forward just a little bit. This is Bernini, not, not Caravaggio. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands in the mark of see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. Well, eight days later. The disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put put out your hand, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Now, this is Caravaggio. This is uh, called, you see it really well, that, um, at least from where I am, it's a little green. But the, um, it's called the incredulity of St. Thomas. And uh, probably nobody in the history of the world has ever painted uh, wrinkled eyebrows as well as, as Caravaggio. You know, he just, he just has, this, you see the calmness on Jesus' face as as Thomas comes and sticks his finger there. Now, actually, you know, in the text, it never actually says that Thomas touched him. He just saw him and, and, and fell down in this incredible uh, confession. Uh, but I just think it's amazing. Peter's always depicted, I don't think Peter was an old man. He's always depicted as an old man. You see Peter in the background and probably uh, John off to the side. But, but Jesus' hand is on, on Thomas, just, just calm. He, Think how bad that would hurt. I mean, like when somebody just sticks you, you know, just as calm as he could be. You can actually see the the nail marks on his hands, on both his hands, just really subtle. Um, eight days later, you wonder if they heal. Does, does a resurrection body heal like that? Or, or is, but but um, but you can see 
you can, and actually this painting has been redone and all sorts, you can Google it and it's just all sorts of remakes and they're wearing leather jackets and look, and it's just kind of, kind of strange. But um, uh, just so several things that we see uh, in, uh, with Thomas. The first thing we see is, is peace. Jesus appears behind the locked doors. He says, peace uh, be with you. Now think about this. Especially, I mean, whether it's on the night uh, where Jesus appeared to Thomas or the week before on Easter night, but especially, especially that Easter night. I mean, they were, they were afraid. They were, they were, and they were really confused. Um, I mean, Jesus, remember they had spent three years with this guy and he was going to be king. He had talked about he was going to die. And, I mean, they, just, they didn't really understand because he, he was going to be king and they were going to be in his court. Uh, they, they, he was, they were going to ride his coattails to glory, you know, to greatness. And, and then Jesus is, was dead and, his, and, and just completely uh, this utter disappointment. Not only was he, did he, it wasn't an accident. I mean, the religious leaders killed him. The ones that should have led them to the truth. And then, like that day, all of a sudden, now Jesus' body is missing. And who's going to get blamed for that? The disciples. I mean, they stole it. So, I mean, in fact, one of the, I think it's Matthew um, said, maybe it's not, but anyway, one of the synoptics says that they, um, that they actually said, just say that the disciples stole it. Um, and we'll take care of it. We understand that puts you guards in a bad situation. Don't worry, we'll take care. Here's some money. We'll take care of you with the Roman guards. Just say the disciples took it. So they're, they're, they're afraid. And they don't know what to do. And they're completely confused. And Jesus appears. How did he get in there? Scripture doesn't say. He just was there. Right? He was just there. And he says, peace be with you. Now, peace, I mean, what, what does that mean? The Greek word is Irene. Irene. So if you know somebody named Irene, then she, her name means peace. Um, and and um, uh, he uh, he says peace. It means well-being, well-being in every in every aspect, especially well-being with God. Every aspect of your life, uh, well-being, uh, not just prosperity, but um, a settledness, a confidence, a um, a sense of that that it, all is right, all is sort of right with the world. But especially our peace. With God, He had died and been resurrected, so that we were no longer enemies of God. He is the only one who can come and offer peace with God. So that's the first uh, first thing that He says. In fact, He says it in this pericope, in this passage. He says it three times. He says it twice on Easter night, and then once again with with Thomas. Um, but then we see we also see um, doubt, and we see Thomas uh, throughout the Gospel of John. John is the only one that really gives Thomas a voice. He's mentioned in the synoptics, but he doesn't have a he doesn't have one uh, doesn't have any speaking lines in the synoptics. But in in John, uh, Thomas is the one when uh, when Jesus says we've got to go to um, we've got to go to uh, Lazarus because Lazarus has fallen asleep, and they say, oh well, he'll wake up, and he says, no, he's dead. And um, we got to go. And Thomas says, "Well, let's go with him, so we can die too." But so he's, you know, he's pes- he's loyal. He's pessimistic. You know, I I, I get it. You know, like uh, me too. But um, uh, and then later he says, um, 
uh, Jesus, the night before he died, Jesus um, said, you know the way to the Father. You know the way to where I'm going. And, and Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And that's where Jesus said, I'm, I'm the way and the truth and the life. So, so Thomas is loyal, but he's outspoken. And he just, he's, he's, a, he's analytical. He's black and white. He's sort of what we might think of as scientific or something. So he's, and it's amazing to me, isn't it? It's amazing to me that his, these, his best friends, the ones that he has gone around with for three years, the ones that he has followed Jesus with, they say, we saw the Lord. I mean, what kind of cruel joke must you think that they're playing? To, that they're going to they're gonna testify that, that Jesus is alive after this. But he says, if I don't touch it, then I'm not going to believe it. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about the, uh, all the times we say that. If I, unless, fill in the blank, then I'm never going to believe. I had a, a friend, I remember as a camp counselor when I was a camp counselor um, back in college. And I met, there was a lot of talk, there were a lot of Christians in this, but a lot of non-Christians that were counselors as well. And I can remember this guy, so there's a lot of discussion. There's just a lot of talk. And I remember him saying, basically, unless you produce a white knight on a, on a steed, I won't, I'm not going to believe. And I just thought, gosh, isn't it, I mean, Revelation says you'll see him one day, right? You know, you, uh, um, but uh, I, I, um, the, uh, I don't know where, how you fill in the blank or how you do or how you did, uh, but that's just so common. You know, I could never believe in a God that fill in the blank or unless this happens. Um, I, you know, I, hate, I really, well, I tell you, I'm not, I've said it before, but it gets on my nerves when people, something really good happens and they say, ah, oh, there is a God. You know, like you've heard people say it. You probably said it. I, I, it gets all over me when people say that. Uh, like I said, I've said it before, but I just um, it it, uh, it we we put even that that's sarcastic. We put these parameters unless um, unless this happens that I have set, then I am not going to believe. Uh, but there's something actually to be um, admired in in this sort of steeliness, in this need for proof, in this. Um, in in Thomas's uh, dedication to truth, that he's got to have it. It's got to be tangible. It's got to be something he can grasp uh, hold of, something reasonable. And and the resurrection isn't reasonable. But actually, what happens in the resurrection when Jesus appears is he makes it reasonable. I mean, it's still a soul issue for Thomas. It's still an issue on. Uh, there's there's a reason he's protecting himself from disappointment. And you think about, I mean, that's like when, it, it, whenever we put up hard lines like that, we get, particularly for folks that do that on, and it's on a sort of default level, we get, we're doing that to protect ourselves from disappointment. Either disappointment in ourselves for kind of getting caught up in the hype or the, getting sort of washed away with the, with the voodoo or whatever it is, and the, um, or, 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 or just, just disappointment in, the, in other people. And we, so we just kind of put up this hard, this hard wall. I, I, I'm sort of like that sometimes. Um, I, I'm well. I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, the, uh, but I am. I'm like that uh, sometimes, and it, it's a soul issue. And in fact, it's sort of like Craig was talking. It's, it's an. It's almost idolatry in the sense that I'm. Um, I have to. I have to be protected. I'm. I'm the one at the center. Um, I gotta look out for number one in this, and, and we and I get it. I don't want to make too much a deal. I mean, there's something to be admired about it, and yet it's, this sort of strength and commitment to truth, and yet at the same time, there's there's um, it, it needs to call up in us uh, a, a question ourselves about 
Uh, how, in what ways do we fill in that blank? Unless this, I won't believe. Or I'll believe this much, but I can't go down this. Uh, I can't go all the way. Um, so, so Jesus appears, and, and we see uh, mercy. Um, Thomas receives basically no rebuke. Now some, some have read into Jesus' statement, Oh, have you believed because you've seen? Some, some people have read into that. Um, rebuke. It can just as easily be translated, uh, you have seen because you believed, as a statement. Remember, punctuation is given after the fact. Uh, the original Greek didn't have punctuation. So it can just as easily be said as a statement, you have, you have um, believed because you've seen. But he doesn't receive um, any rebuke from Thomas. But what we do see is this. I mean, Thomas didn't tell Jesus that I'm not going to believe. He, he told the disciples. But then Jesus comes in completely and 100% aware of Thomas's issues. Completely ready to meet Thomas exactly where he is with what he needs in order uh, to believe. And, and what we see is, is Jesus, this is as much as anything, a statement of his divinity. He is omnipresent. Uh, he is omniscient. Uh, he is present even when we can't see him, which gives us a lot of comfort when we are going through really times, seasons of doubt ourselves, or, or difficult times, uh, seasons of tragedy. Uh, he is present, and even if we can't voice our prayers to him, if there's something in the way, uh, he uh, is present with us. He knows our needs. Um, one of the most helpful things I ever heard about the prayer book early on. Uh, when I was still wrestling with church, and, and I mean, I was a Christian, but I was wrestling with denominations because I had grown up in the Episcopal Church and came to faith in this um, through Presbyterians, but th- those folks, they, they prayed spontaneously. I never really had been around, uh, I didn't, not in church so much, but I just really didn't, um, I had never really been around people who just prayed from the heart. And it was so attractive and beautiful to me as a, as a young Christian. And and I um, and, and so I immediately just thought, well, Episcopalians are stupid because they're not, you know, it doesn't mean anything. They're just they're just reading prayers. That's, they don't mean anything. Um, and so then I so I kind of dove a little further into Presbyterian worship and um, and I was on a mission mission um, agency mission team um, summer staff. Summer before my senior year in college, and and one of the adult leaders was a woman named Chris, who had uh, had ca- breast cancer, and um, and she had even though she worked for this Presbyterian mission agency, she had been worshiping at an Episcopal church, and I asked her about that. I said, "Don't you? I mean, don't you kind of find it a little bit dry?" Um, and she said. You know what? Like, I, I'm the one that's dry, and I just find it so hard right now in this season of my life to offer any prayers to God. But the prayer book does it for me. Um, it was such a, it was, um, it was such a mercy uh, to her, and it was actually uh, a mercy to me. God gave her, even when she couldn't, she found it hard to believe. The prayer book kind of, and this is not an apologetic for the prayer book, but it's just, 
God, just to say it, simply say that in our seasons of need or doubt or difficulty, that, that God will meet us where, where we need. Which is, I mean, maybe, maybe He lets us need for a little while. Um, he has a good purpose in doing that. And, um, but, but He gives Thomas here exactly what he needs. And we just see in there just a picture of mercy. Now, why could He do that? Because He had already died for Thomas's sin. Uh, it, was all, it was finished. It was freshly finished. It was, um, uh, he, th- there was no need, there was no place for rebuke anymore because he had already um, covered Thomas. And so Thomas was free to doubt. And I want to say to you that you're free to doubt. Doubt can be a really healthy thing. I don't, I don't want you to stay there. You know, I, I, want, I want your questions to be answered. But I want you to have the freedom to ask the questions. Um, I've heard people say, I know we're not supposed to question God. Listen, God's a big boy. He can handle your questions. Right? He, he's got his answers are a lot bigger than your questions, and um, and you can and so you have the freedom, and and you can walk through that season of doubt. Don't do it apart from the church. Uh, do it with people who whom you know and love. Cling to faith, and yet know that He is with you. He knows exactly what your needs are, and and that you are free to ask those questions. You will receive mercy, um, and then you know again it actually it doesn't actually say that. That Thomas um, put his hands. It just says he saw the Lord, and he came to faith. It, it uh, doesn't say that he touched Jesus. He just he had this incredible confession. Not just my Lord, the you who I'm committed to, but my God. It was an incredible. I mean, on you, can, you wouldn't believe this. Some, some commentator tried to make a, a case that that was a, he was being profane, my, like he was saying my God. You know, like 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 we might do uh, today. I mean. He would, but no. This is it is. Uh, he was uh, professing uh, his faith. I mean, it wasn't this right here where he said he put, takes his hand out and goes, "Well, all right, I guess so." You know, like I mean, like he he saw Jesus and and the invitation of Jesus, and he just fell down and said, "My Lord uh, and my God." And so after that season of that this period of doubt, Jesus gave him what he needed, and he came uh, to faith. So we see in that. I mean, there's just a lot to relate to. Um, in in Thomas, uh, a lot to relate to, uh, but but Jesus comes to him. So so you know, I mean, Thomas didn't like get his. He didn't finally do enough research that he found he was satisfied with the answers. Right? Jesus came to him. It was only it was only in Jesus coming to him that he was going to be that that Thomas would be satisfied. I mean, and, and, and that's for us too. Unless Jesus gives us the faith, um, we read that in um, in our uh, epistle this morning. That uh, faith is uh, assigned to us by measure, and so if you lack faith, ask God for more. But um, but the uh, but the in this season, through this season of doubt um, comes faith. Uh, but it comes because of mercy, not because of this Thomas the analytical was was answered in his uh, analytical questions. Um, before we get to Peter, any, any um, we don't have a whole lot of time left to get to Peter. But any um, any thoughts or comments on on Thomas? Okay. Let's 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 go on to to Peter. Um, so this is, uh, this is also in in John. Um, Peter goes fishing. So after this, um, after the he appeared to Thomas, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples. And this revealing, it's not just he didn't just appear, like he revealed himself. There's there's a there's a sense in the word of an unveilings, um, uh, a self revelation. Uh, and Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples on the Sea of Tiberias. That's Galilee, Sea of Galilee. 
uh, in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, there he is, called the twin, uh, Nathaniel of Cana uh, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two others who apparently weren't worthy of mention, um, uh, were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will go with you. And you know the story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. He says, uh, where, so they go and they fish all night and they don't catch anything. And then early in the morning, they see a guy on the shore. He calls out, little children, have you caught anything? No, we haven't caught anything. Now put your nets on the right side of the boat. And it just always amazes me that they actually do it. And you know, like there's another time where, where um, you know, early on, John's sitting in Peter's boat and he says, hey, Let's go. Let's, he, Jesus has just been teaching to the crowds on the shore. He says, "Hey, why don't you put your nets out?" And Peter's like, "Dude, I have been up all night long, and I and I'm not. I, we hadn't caught anything. And you're a preacher. What do you know about fishing? I can tell you, at least one preacher I know of doesn't know much about fishing. And the um, and and so he he said, "Okay, I'll do it." Like I just I'm amazed by that. And of course, then just then as now, um, he hauls in this huge load of fish. And remember then, Peter's face down in the fish. Depart from me. This is shame, right? Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He doesn't say, wow, thank you. Thank you. I mean, this is going to make me rich. I've never seen such a catch of fish. We need to think that that would be Peter's reaction. No, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Well, here, uh, when they call in the fish, Peter now knows enough to recognize it's the Lord. And he this is strange. He puts his garment back on, and then jump. so he's fishing naked, I guess. And he goes jump, puts then he puts his clothes back on and jumps in the water. Like I just think that's hilarious. But um, they did things a little differently back then. But it all worked out good. And he count, he swims up, and they they're dragging the nets, uh, 153 fish. Isn't that interesting that they, they that they stated how many were in there, big fish, and but the nets didn't break. And they they get back on, and and no, it says nobody wondered. Nobody dared to ask, are you Jesus? Because they knew it was him. There's something strange. So he's already cooking fish. He didn't need their fish. He already had fish. And he didn't have five loaves and two fish to make it from. He just had bread and fish. So we're, we're, we recall again the, the feeding of the 5,000. But here's Jesus uh, providing. And, um, and, and then, uh, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, so he kind of pulls him aside. <coughs> Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my sheep. Truly I say to you that when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said uh, to show, I should say, to show what, about what kind of death he was going to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So we see much the same as we saw in, um, in, in Thomas. We see uh, peace. We see uh, Jesus call out to those who ran away from him uh, on the night he was crucified, little children. So he speaks to them tenderly. Uh, we see um, Jesus inviting them uh, to a meal, which, of course, a meal is the fellowship. 
uh, the, the symbol and the sign of if you ate with someone, you were in that culture, you were bound to them. Uh, you, uh, it, it showed that there was no animosity uh, between you. And, um, and he says this, and then you, but you can think of, of what Peter particularly must have been going through. Peter, of course, is the one who said, I will never leave you no matter what they do. Even if I have to die, I'm going to stick with you, Jesus. And um, Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And of course he did. And here we have, uh, so you can think of, instead of doubt, we have despair. I mean, you can think of, I mean, Peter did. He ran towards Jesus, but there's no, this is the first interaction that we've seen before. Uh, since Jesus and Peter locked eyes in the courtyard before they hauled Jesus off to be crucified, this is the first interaction that we see of Peter and Jesus. And, um, and, and so we, you can just think of how difficult, how much shame. I and mean, Peter dealt with shame in the boat the first time. Uh, at the beginning, where Jesus said, Come and I'll make you fishers of men. But depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. I'll make you fishers of men. And is what Jesus said to him. Uh, but but you can just, I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I know you have denied Jesus at some point in your life. And I don't know if you ever went through, like, repentance with that. Um, or if you just kind of came out of it, because I've done both. I've I've just sort of had seasons where I just kind of came out of denying Jesus and came to um, back to faith. But I've also had seasons where I just grieved this sort of almost a public denial or unwillingness to to affirm faith in Christ to others because of what I would look like. Or um, and, and and so, but this I mean, it's a matter of his heart, um, his relationship with. Lord and again, what he finds uh, is is mercy, and he and he addresses him, um, Simon, son of John. Remember, he had called him um, Peter, um, and sometimes he says, um, Pete, some translations I think even say Peter, do you love me? But he says, Simon, do you love me? And um, he had said. We, in our passage today, the gospel passage says, "You, you are Peter. Remember, you, this, Peter means rock, and on this rock I will um, build my church." I mean, Peter was the rock; he was the one, and yet here he's he's shown to be weak. But we see the same thing we saw in Paul that in uh, his weakness, uh, God is strong. Uh, Peter receives incredible mercy, and for the same number of times that he denied Jesus, he is restored, um, and not just. Not just said, it's, you know, not just okay, but but feed my sheep, tend my lambs, um, come back to ministry, and then finally, the same initial, the same words that initially uh, he called Peter to himself with, uh, follow me, and so he completely restores him, um, Peter. So we see that in in Thomas, and we see it in Peter uh, as well. Uh, just. Uh, and so as I look back over 40 years, uh, I am just uh, grateful for the restoration, time, not just once, but time and time again, of uh, whether it be doubts of my mind or, doubt or despair in my heart, times that I have denied uh, Jesus um, in thought, word, or deed, uh, where God comes and restores me. Both of these, we see Jesus coming to them, not 
not the disciples coming to Jesus saying, I'm so sorry for what... It's, it's Jesus appearing, revealing Himself to the, to the despairing disciple or to the doubting disciple. Um, it is... Uh, and time again, I see, even if I have the will to, to repent, it is because Jesus has come to me. And I, I don't know if you... Uh, I hope you can. I imagine you can relate to that if you look on your life... Um, whether, like I said, if you're not quite 40 or if you are quite 40, that you can look back and see um, that Jesus comes to you. Um, and so over this, uh, this court, the course of this, um, these four weeks, I, I have just been awed again by, uh, by the King, uh, by Jesus and His faithfulness, His deliverance and His uh, restoration. So I just want to close with a video that I think is really, really cool. Um, and uh, it is by a man. Uh, it, it, well, it's a it's a video. Uh, you may, you may have seen this before. The preacher is his name is uh, he's dead now. But his name is Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Whoa. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Uh, uh, I'm pretty sure he was born into a Christian family. And um, <laughs> and if he wasn't a preacher, he was going to be in big trouble. But um, but so this is this is it. And I just love it. Oh, come on. You got to be kidding me. You should get back and look at it uninterrupted. I'm sorry about that. Joe, you can't be more specific. Uh, well.
God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are our King. Let us love you like that. Thank you for your deliverance. Uh, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you for your Son. We ask it all in His name, our King. Amen.